Feeling fit as a fiddle, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast that licks its pencil point before ciphering. He used to shoot baskets with a bowling ball, it's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello again, everybody. I am uh, your Medicare expert, Doug Jones, as my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, just told you. And I am here to make you feel good about the transition you might be facing from Obamacare to Medicare. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is a treat and a beautiful thing to have you in the audience. And I'm looking at you right there, you. So anyway, you might remember that I wrote a book called Medicare for the Lazy Man, Simplest and Easiest Guide Ever. Then the 2022 edition with the green 2022 across the cover is now on sale at Amazon.com and at BarnesandNoble.com. If you go to Amazon, you can get a hardcover version. You can get a paperback version. You can get a Kindle version. And if you want to, you can get an Audible version during which I will actually give all of the knowledge to you. I'll put it right in your ear. You won't have to do a darn thing to absorb it, except uh, just make room in your brain for the uh, information. And once you have absorbed what I've got to to say in that book, you're going to be as much of a Medicare expert as anybody else in your neighborhood. And you're going to feel confident about Medicare. You're going to know what decisions have to be made and what decisions don't really have to be made, what things are important to do, what things are not really important to do. And before long, Medicare is going to be in your rearview mirror and you're going to be really, really satisfied. So I'd say get a uh, copy of my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022. In fact, it's going to become a um, a rarity. It's going to start increasing in value because uh, the 2023 version is being worked on right now. So at some point, the 2022 is going to be an obsolete out of stock item. And uh, if you've bought one, you're going to be able to command a uh, quite a high price. The other books that I have are selling in places like Amazon or not Amazon uh, eBay for upwards of $25 a piece. That's the asking price I've seen. And you, if you buy the newest version, whatever's on sale now, uh, can get away with uh, less than $4 a piece. So I would say that it's probably an investment. I I stutter when I say that. I'd hate to toot my own horn, but my book would probably be an investment. Even if you're not uh, looking at Medicare as something you have to deal with, if you're just a rare book collector, then I would say go ahead and pull the trigger on one of my books, put it on your shelf, and someday it's going to be like a, a gold mine for your children. When uh, they, After they finish planting you, they're going to find themselves in the possession of something really, really valuable. Now, what happens at this time in the episode is uh, Randy Carson joins us, and I'm always uh, looking forward to that time of the day because he takes my mind off of the mundane uh the uh, horn, the self-congratulating horn tooting that I do, and he brings me back to reality. So, Randy, how are things going for you today? Good, good, Doug. I'm glad you asked because I was just going to tell the audience that you know 
I was going to let him back in, you know, a little bit behind the scenes sort of stuff. And uh, there's there's a couple things I wanted to say. I wanted to say, you know, I'm wishing Jay Leno well. He got injured. He got recently injured working on a car and and some gas burns and this and everything. So certainly the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, who is made up of a bunch of car guys, wishes Jay Leno well and uh, back to health in a big back to health in a big rush. And the reason that really hit home is that every I don't know if I told you this, but every morning when I kick in the, you know, kick into Doug's episode here, I have to drag him in out of the shop. He's always (laughs) he's always under some car wrenching on something. And he says, oh, is it time to record? And I said, yes, it is, Doug. Now let's go. If it wasn't for you being so darn disciplined, I would have a lot more work done out there, and I'd be uh, I'd be looking at com- cars that are more complete than they are right now. So I know it's it's just one of those things, and and we had a guest uh, in our last podcast, uh, a friend of Doug's, Roy Brotherhood, and he also happens to be a car guy. I mean, what's what's the odds? <laughs> it's like we're multiplying. We're taking I know, over the world. Guy. We're all over the place, but we're, we the only world is like lousy with us. I know, I know, but we only like a certain type of car. It's the old classic American, you know, eight-cylinder gas guzzler. Two-door. And, uh, two-door, two-door, uh, preferably in my case. Now, Doug's going to, he's going to frown, but in per- preferably in my case, a goat. Well, he, Randy forgets how quickly we forget the important things in life that one of the prized denizens uh, in our garage is a 1967 GTO. Randy has seen it. He's had Guinness next to it in his driveway, and he's yeah. ridden around town in it. So uh, yeah. don't don't say that I object to Pontiac GTOs because I, I am true. nothing but respect for him. So, so really what I should say is you're a GM guy. I am pretty much a GM guy, although as I grow older, as uh, the dawn, no, the dawn, the sunset of my life approaches, which I'm hoping is still 20 years away, um, I remember fondly all the Fords that we had when I was a kid. So I'm not the kind of GI uh, GM guy that um, spits on the competing brands, because I did spend a lot of quality time with Fords back in the day, but I my fleet is all pretty much GM. Well, the, the other thing I should mention is that when my dad, I, w- I was desperate to have a car of my own. And back on the ranch, you know, we were, I don't know, 15 miles from anything. So I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I, I really need a car. I, I got I'm I, You know, I'm going to die out here without a car. And he goes, well, he goes, I've got an old I've got an old 59 Ford Galaxy out there in the barn you can have. Yeah, that was a four door, wasn't it? Yeah, if you'll pay for the insurance and the gas and all, <laughs> it was basically yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. And it had it had no heater motor. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was wrong with it. And I so I, I have driven a Ford, and I wasn't complaining about it because that's all I had. Yeah, it did the job for you. It got you into town and back from town. So yeah. actually, your dad was a lot more pleasant about that than mine was. We lived out in the country, not on a ranch or a farm, but just out in the country where um, riding my bike into town, my bike weighed more than I did. And it was, uh, not a, you know, even as a as a youngster, uh, <laughs> when I turned 16, I wanted to throw that bike into the woods and never have to deal with it again. But when I was a little kid, my parents dragged me up north to uh, Illinois 
we had a 50 Plymouth that was brand new and, uh, but never, um, it was never undercoated or protected from the salt that they use up North. And so over the years, my father drove that thing on, uh, Saturday, uh, errands and to the train station every weekday. And eventually I, I wasn't aware of it. I was a kid, but the rust was just eating that thing up. And so, uh, one day he was at a stop sign waiting for a car to go by and the woman behind him bumped into him, tapped the, their bumpers tapped and the Plymouth basically collapsed in a pile <laughs> of rust. What, what did I didn't hit you that hard? Oh, you touched my bumper. Oh, that's all it took. And, uh, I had to, I had uh, many years of being told, actually, my father told his buddies, his drinking buddies in front of me that that Plymouth was going to be my car when I turned 16. When I was about 12, it just collapsed in a heap of rust dust. And so I kept thinking, okay, well, this is going to complicate when I turn 16. We're going to have to deal with this missing car problem. When I turned 16, happy birthday to you, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, dad, what are we going to do about a car now? What are you talking about? You don't need a car. And it was uh, like, okay, I I can uh, keep an eye on you better if you don't have a car. So I wound up having to be 19 years old before I got my first car. I was 18 when I got a motorcycle, 19 when I got my first car, and I had to pay the $75 for it myself. So my father lied all those years telling oh. everybody. Well, my big thrill of life, and I've told you this, I know I've told you this story, but my big thrill was, because I told, I said early on when I got this '59 Ford that it had no heater motor in it, yep. had no had no had no blower. Okay, yeah, right. Yes, and that was because the what do they call the heater core? The heater core. The heater core blew up, so we had to block off the heater core. And uh, my dad finally relented into helping me buy a new heater core, but he wouldn't spring for the fan. So that's kind of weird. I the know blower, and the blower was not an expensive part of the deal. No, no. So we got some one of our mechanical neighbors helped me put the heater core in. And my dad was normally my sidekick mechanic, but he for uh -huh. some reason he was busy and he didn't want to do this. So anyway, I, I drew most of the well, I think. Yeah. The whole time I had that car up until I traded it off was it, it had a heater core. So if you drove about 85 miles an hour down the interstate. Sure. You had heat. Yes. As soon as, as soon as you slowed down, no heat. <laughs> and if you if you actually didn't bypass the heater core, you would have steam covering all the uh, 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 antifreeze uh, steam yes. covering the inside yes. windows with uh, some kind of gooey mess. Yes, I'm, I'm well, I'm well acquainted with that. And one time, you know, because I didn't have any blower, uh -huh. I thought, well, I, I decided to pull out my scientific knowledge and I decided, well, you know, alcohol, <laughs> alcohol, rubbing alcohol doesn't freeze at that yeah, level. I've so heard this Doug's story. Laugh, Doug's laughing because he knows this story, but he's, I, so I got a, I got a bottle of rubbing alcohol and a, and some sort of big roll of uh, cotton or something and went out and coated the inside of my windshield with alcohol and i thought wow this is great how'd that work out for you randy not well because you? you know the next morning after it was 20 below zero and i got out there the rubbing alcohol may not freeze but it turns foggy <laughs> so you can't see through it so then 
I'm sitting there trying to get this rubbing alcohol off the inside of my windshield, and me and 17 moose couldn't get this thing off of there. Boy. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I don't even like thinking about winter, and here it is, um, mid-November. Uh, we just passed the middle of November in the year 2022, for those of you keeping score at home. And uh, frankly, I don't even like thinking about it. So instead of thinking about it, I'm going to get some more items out of my pile of, of uh, my pile of documents here that I normally go through. One of those is uh, very, very special. Randy saw me searching for an article and I think maybe we already addressed it on a past episode and I just forgot about it. Did we address the article or the uh, situation where two congressmen have uh, uh, instituted or uh, uh, written a bill and uh, presented it to Congress to take the word Medicare out of Medicare Advantage, we, we we did we did talk about that, and okay. uh, I I prefer to call it the Pinocchio Bill, yeah. Because so if you take the word Medicare out of it, then the Medicare Advantage people, which there is no advantage by the way, yeah. uh, won't won't be able to use the term, and people won't be as confused. Although the Medicare Advantage people will do their damnedest to try to confuse people and tell them it's the same thing. But so I, like to, I, I like to call that the Pinocchio bill. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's just fine because they'll find new ways to uh, spring their, their evil upon us and uh, take advantage of people all the more. Uh, you know, it's just like, I'm glad I didn't invest in uh, uh, Bitcoin or whatever the current emergency is. It's uh uh, That's the all, the, all the Bitcoin is. Can you hear? Can you hear the big flush? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I I missed that bus, and it's probably a good thing that I did. Well, on another um, mutually enjoyable uh, topic, uh, Randy had a pithy question uh, a few episodes ago about a. Uh, I don't want to say it's a dish. It's a uh, kind of like a condiment called vodka sauce that he likes very much, or he remembers. Finally, I don't know where he uh, had his encounters with vodka sauce, but it was um, apparently an East Coast kind of thing. Uh, I ran into vodka sauce, and I'm glad I did in New Jersey. And some of the and now I don't know this for a fact, but my traveling partner Bobby, who is a woman, that's it. Knows she knows the East Coast, even though she's an Arizona kid, she knows the East Coast like the back yeah. of her hand. And yep. we used to go around eating things like vodka sauce on penny, penny, you know, penny pasta. Right at some some of the pubs. Well, although they weren't called pubs, but some of the bars, pubs, something that were apparently owned by some of the mafia uh-huh. back in back in New Jersey, and some of the. And some of the actors that, you know, played some of those parts used to hang out in them. And so we we did a lot of things. But that's where I became first aware of vodka sauce and first loved it, still love it, looking for vodka sauce every day of my life. Well, you happened to mention it on uh, one of our episodes recently. And, of course, we got a uh, an immediate answer from Dominic, uh, Regina, who lives in New Jersey. And uh, you might understand that he is Italian. Uh, he and his brother uh, Giuseppe, no Gi- Giovanni. Giovanni, <laughs> Giuseppe's in a that was a joke. Just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. But anyway, uh, so uh, uh, Dominic wrote us, uh, "Dear Randy, your description of vodka sauce was spot on. In addition to vodka, the other main ingredient is heavy cream. 
no kale allowed. Uh, it's very, it's fairly easy to make and usually served with penne pasta. If you want to really impress your Cave Creek friends, add peas to the sauce. That is very Italian. Our family didn't routinely make vodka sauce at home. We grew up with ragu and bolognese sauce. By the way, Giovanni is the chef in the family. I got to tell you, every time we have spaghetti, I love the way Mary makes it, even though she can't eat it because she has, um, has celiac disease. But she uses ragu, and I love the hell out of that stuff. I cannot get enough of spaghetti with ragu. Uh, she points fingers at me and laughs, but she continues to make it for me. So then uh, Dominic went on to say, you may not find the ingredients you need in Oklahoma, but you should find a nice Italian deli in Arizona. Rachel Ray's recipe is similar to how I would make it. And then he included a picture of penne a la vodka with prosciutto and peas. Uh, it's a very tasty looking dish here. He says, also, if you were ever in Phoenix, well, we're in Phoenix all the damn time. Come on, learn your geography, Dominic. Uh, if you're ever in Phoenix, you need to stop at Pizzeria Blanco. No, Bianco. Pizzeria Bianco. The owner, Chris Bianco, was recently featured on a Netflix special called Chef's Table Pizza. If you go, let me know what you think. Keep up the good work. Regards, Dominic. So I thank Dominic for um, contributing to the quality of our factually based podcast about Medicare. I will have to say that when it comes to pizza, I am a deep dish Chicago style pizza guy from the get go. And I'm sure that makes most uh, East coast Italians uh, cringe and grind their teeth. If not, uh, if not want to join, you know, a game. Well, as, as you know, most East coasters, they would prefer if they could read their morning newspaper through their pizza. Yes, yes. Uh, thin, thin crust, almost invisible. That's not my style. I'm a uh, a fan of Ike Sewell from the get-go. Ike Sewell, uh, back in the 1940s, invented deep dish Chicago-style pizza. And it is, uh, it's taken off. I mean, it's proliferating in Arizona. We didn't used to have any Lou Malnati's. Lou Malnati was a guy that used to work for Ike at either Uno's or Douay's. And uh, he uh, took that recipe since Ike refused to franchise his uh, creation, uh, he threw out every guy that ever suggested a franchise. Let me invest in your product and we'll franchise it. No. And the, when he finally did, the guy he said yes to, uh, it's a terrible product. The uh, Uno's Pizzeria, and I know there's one in Milwaukee. There's one in Boston. I don't know if they're still open or not because their products are not anywhere near as great as the originals that are located in Chicago, but a very close approximation is Lou Malnati's. And there are several now Lou Malnati's pizzas in uh, Phoenix. So he can do an, or those uh, far flung locations can do a really good impersonation of uh, Ike Sewell's original recipe. So here is a, uh, an indicator, an article that indicates the liars that work for the federal government. And I swear to God, this points up the reasons I've been yelling and pounding on the table for years. Uh, those people had a beef with cigarettes and cigarette smoking. It's understandable that cigarette smokers get sick more often from you know, smoke-related diseases, but they made up this lying bull about secondhand smoke being equally deadly 
as the actual smoke that cigarette smokers inhale into their lungs. And that's a lie that they used with lawyers that were that had their hands out uh, ready to take the money on uh, class action lawsuits. They beat the cigarette uh, industry into a pulp on based on a lie that secondhand smoke is a uh, is a big deal, a big danger for people. And uh, they never had that same uh, attitude about marijuana smoke. Go ahead and smoke dope all you want to, kids, because marijuana smoke is healthy for you. So here we are with a, oh, and wear a mask too. The mask will protect you from uh, COVID and coronavirus. Well, uh, lung risks, here's the headline, lung risks from smoking marijuana may be worse than cigarettes, according to a study. Of course it is. Media outlets report on a study that found smoking pot to be associated with potentially worse lung damage than tobacco-only cigarettes. Meanwhile, in Kentucky, the governor signed an executive order to partly legalize medical marijuana. So this leftist rag that I got this from uh, wants to slam the governor of Kentucky. In USA Today, marijuana may be more harmful to lungs than cigarettes, study suggests. Smoking marijuana may do more damage to lungs than a cigarette. A new study suggests the study published Tuesday in a peer-reviewed journal, Radiology, found marijuana may be linked to an increased risk of, of uh, emphysema over smoking tobacco alone, meaning it's worse for you than cigarettes. NBC News, smoking marijuana can raise the risk of lung disease, chest scans indicate. The analysis by Canadian researchers published on Tuesday in Radiology compared the chest scans of marijuana smokers and tobacco-only smokers who were matched according to age. They found that twice as many of those who inhaled cannabinoids developed uh, paracepital emphysema, twice as many as people who smoked cigarettes only. So, you know something? They, They had this lie when it came to AIDS. They tried to scare the whole population by saying anybody, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody is equally at risk for getting AIDS. Fauci came up with that lie. And his premise was that people would not support putting a lot of money into research if they weren't afraid of AIDS. So they decided to make up a lie to make everybody afraid of AIDS. So what else do we have here? Medicare Advantage insurers boosting marketing efforts. This is um, a series of little short blurbs. Yeah, Randy's laughing. Don't laugh, Randy. It t- Doug, it takes a lot of money to, it takes a lot of advertising to push over that lie. And they're you know, doing a lot of med- advertising. Medi- Medicare Advantage. Oh, my God. That's the way to go. No, it's not. No, it's not. Listen to Randy. I'm not an expert, but I'm, I've got a brain. No, just uh, well, say no. <laughs> I'm starting to I'm starting to see people that are really disappointing. Uh, Huckabee, Mike Huckabee is flogging this uh, horrible product. And uh, there was somebody else else uh, that was recently uh, spotted on our television, the Jones family television, flogging the Medicare Advantage, the purveyors of Medicare Advantage plans. Um, so a report in Modern Healthcare says that insurers are stepping up their marketing to attract more enrollment. They're stepping up their marketing. And separate news, Oscar Health, which was uh, one of these things like uh, your wife has uh, coverage because she's so youthful, uh, she's not old enough for Medicare by a long stretch, but uh, she has a uh, an individual health insurance plan from a uh, fairly new company, 
And Oscar Health is another one of those companies, and it has all but abandoned the Medicare Advantage market after attracting too few policyholders. USA Today explains why private Medicare plans are set to pass traditional ones. That means more than half of the oldsters are going to be enrolled in those rather than in uh, Medicare supplement plans. Modern Healthcare says Medicare Advantage insurers ramp up marketing efforts. Insurance agents set up enrollment booths at community events and grocery stores. Brokers offer prospective members sign-up sheets, often for private Medicare plans that are co-branded with the retailer. Insurers and their partners send letters to people who meet criteria for specialized plans. Uh, Health has all but abandoned. Let's see, Oscar Health has all but abandoned. So I got a mixture of things here, but basically USA Today has an article. Here's why private Medicare plans are set to pass traditional Medicare enrollment. Older Americans who sign up for private plans are enticed by lower monthly premiums. Well, they haven't uh, paid attention to our talking about the um, high-value plans that I offer to people. They've got very low monthly premiums, and they offer better protection than any Medicare Advantage plan if somebody gets sick. So anyway, uh, people are enticed by these Medicare Advantage plans, but they are not told about the cap on out-of-pocket expenses at $8,300 for next year. And that's uh, not the highest. There are caps that are higher than that for the PPO version of a Medicare Advantage plan. I think they go up to $11,000 and change if you have a serious illness. Uh, There's nothing anywhere approaching that sort of danger in a Medicare supplement plan, especially the high-value plans that Randy and I like. So one another uh, document down the drain, and I think we're getting to the point where we should just cash it in for today. I haven't great article that Jules and Steve each sent me separately. I don't know if they collude on their, uh, their, uh, you know, choice of what to, uh, what suggested uh, content to send us, but both of those guys are working overtime for our uh, enjoyment. So I'm hoping that you, the audience enjoys it as well. Randy, can you close it out quickly? I will do that. I have gone overboard overtime here. (laughs) I was just sitting, I mean, the more, and this is certainly no, uh, you know, reflection on you choosing content, but I I get my blood pressure as we talk about Medicare Advantage or Medicare Disadvantage uh, at any level, my blood pressure, I should have like a blood pressure meter on the, on the screen here yeah, because it, it is such a poor choice for most people that I just would hesitate to recommend it in any shape or form, although Doug's the expert, I'm not. I just go off of, you know, nominal information that I get from real folks that, uh, you know, I know and I'm related to. But anyway, long story short is we need to sign her off today. We certainly enjoy having you with us. Without you, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun as it is with you. You could have been 150 different places. But you weren't. You were here with us listening, spending a little bit of time with uh, us listening to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, about 32 and a half minutes worth, actually, with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, originally now residing in the high mountains behind Cave Creek, Arizona, with his binoculars 
watching over the city to make sure that when there's some sort of a Medicare Advantage salesman attack, that he can put out the word, stay inside, put out the dogs, don't answer the door. Bye-bye, everyone.